0: Hello and welcome to Joe's Boys. This is a podcast for little women, little men, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Peyton Thomas. I'm the author of the novel Both Sides Now. I'm also a writer for publications like Vanity Fair and the New York Times. And I'm here today with my extraordinarily special guest, Willa Fitzgerald. Hi, how's it going? It's going so well. Willa is an actress who played Meg March in the 2017 BBC miniseries adaptation of Little Women. She currently stars in Reacher on Amazon Prime Video, and she's also starred in MTV's Scream and USA's Dare Me. Trueheads will also remember her turn as Kitsy Barber in The Goldfinch, which... Is a special favorite of mine. And in 2012, Willa graduated from Yale, where she studied psychology for three years before, luckily for all of us, changing her major to theater studies. Willa, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm so happy to be here. And I cannot wait to talk about this very special MAG chapter.
0: Yes, it's we were describing it just now as the most intense sleep training in the history of literature. <laughs> which it really And might maybe be. one of the only. Yeah,
1: advised sleep
0: training chapters ever written. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's talk about holes in literature and feminist corrections to the canon. Let's get into it. I, I know. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. This is going to be so much fun. Now, Willa, this might seem obvious. As I mentioned, you have been a little woman, but what is your relationship to little women?
1: I know I have been a little woman. I <laughs> definitely read it as a kid. I think I read the abridged first, as I think many <laughs> people did. And then realized that it was abridged and read the full version, which is a beast, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then I really loved the nineties version with Winona. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of my introduction to her as an actor and yeah. my, the beginning of that love affair. And I also just thought that I kind of still think it's one of the most perfect versions yeah. of Little Women <laughs> in a lot of ways because. I think a lot of versions skip over all the play acting stuff. And I feel like that's so special. I love those scenes Mm -hmm. in that version. And then obviously I got sent this audition many years ago and Mm -hmm. absolutely burst into tears when I found out that
0: I had booked it. That's how
1: excited I was.
0: (laughs) That's so exciting. And now were you, I mean, we're going to have to get into it now. Which March sister are you? That might be obvious, but. (laughs)
1: <laughs> which one I, it's such a good question and also one that I think we all have struggles actually yes. answering because obviously the book makes you want to be a Joe right, uh, right Kind of the function of how the book <laughs> is written I think that obviously there's a lot of Meg in me and I know how much Meg there is in me because I played her and so yeah. it's hard to not identify with her because I mean I'm a full homebody I <laughs> love taking care of things around my house I really would choose to be pretty much at home You're over right. anywhere else. Right. <laughs> and I also certainly, though, have a lot of Amy in me. The one character okay. who I don't identify with is Stuff, which I think okay. is also not an okay. uncommon sentiment. I think Beth is, is yeah. too good for this world, as I believe. Maybe yes. Joe says some character says that
0: <laughs> she's a cinnamon roll, too good for this world, too pure. I know. I like- I'm not too good for this world. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I liked you giving us your ranking. All right, so I'm this. I'm Meg first, and then <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's, Aspirationally, it's so Joe and Amy, but some of the worst parts of Amy, I certainly identify
0: with. <laughs> Got it. So if I can ask, I mean, when that audition came through, did they want you for Meg? Was or were you just going out for any little woman?
1: Yes. No, I did actually go for Meg. And actually, finally, I'm just remembering this now. I think, so Maya Hawk played Joe in our version. And I believe Maya actually might have auditioned for Meg first. Oh, interesting. And then auditioned for Joe or got sent the audition for Meg. And I am so close with Maya still. (laughs) We are best friends to this day. But... I can't I could never imagine her as anything other than Joe. Yeah. But yeah, I auditioned for Meg. I auditioned <laughs> with the scene where they're in the boat together with, um, oh, with yes. John Brooke, I think. And then maybe the scene with Joe's gloves when we're yes, when I'm telling glove. her how she cannot wear those terrible <laughs> soiled gloves and how she has to wear gloves.
0: And you know what? You were right. You were right, we should say it. <laughs>
1: I mean I mean for those times, yes. You had to wear gloves.
0: (laughs) So with that in mind, Willa, will you recap, please, chapter 38 on the shelf? Yes.
1: Yes. I really hope we also talk about the title on the shelf and how that, you know, (laughs) progresses. But basically, the gist in a quick summary is Meg has the babies, Daisy and Demi. She is obsessed with the babies, only wants to be caring for the babies. Poor John Brooke feels (laughs) neglected. So he leaves and goes and hangs out at the neighbor's house. Marmy comes over, offers some really good advice about how she needs to stop paying so much attention to the yeah. children and stop neglecting her husband, which is we can't wait to talk about that stuff. <laughs> then Meg's like, Yes, mother, of course, and decides that she's going to take all of Marmy's advice. And her first attempt to dress up nicely and have a good dinner with John for yes. doesn't go quite according to plan. Because little no, boy Demi comes marching down the stairs and won't go to bed. And so then Meg is also schooled by John Brooke, who believes that he knows how to parent a child best and (laughs) basically takes care of sleep training for Meg. And then the chapter ends with them and back into the sort of marital bliss that we assume Meg resides in. But there is, I feel like the chapter at the end kind of (laughs) redeems itself. I feel like this chapter for me, (laughs) it goes through a lot of ups and downs with the ways in which it discusses... (laughs) Uh, home economic for yeah. lack of a better word <laughs> and <laughs> the division of the labor there's times mm-hmm. where it feels incredibly anti-feminist and yeah completely undervaluing the work of women and then it kind of flips at the end in this really yeah. interesting yeah. way where suddenly you're like oh wait interesting and i think also yeah. everyone's yeah. meg and john's roles get a little bit more genderqueer in the ways in yeah. which they're engaging with the home. And so I think that mm-hmm. kind of copied that by surprise. I think that there's obviously, there, for obvious reasons, I don't think any adaptation of Little Women has ever right. included this chapter.
0: Yeah. No, I, <laughs> it doesn't quite make the cut. Yeah. does I Not make impressed. the cut. Surprisingly, yeah. sleep
1: training does not make it's- the cut for a, which I think is also an interesting, <laughs> I think it's interesting mm-hmm. to actually think about that when we also think about Meg and why so much of mm-hmm. Meg often gets cut out of adaptations of Little Women when they're brought to the screen or the stage because Meg is leading kind of the least narrative life, narratively compelling life by especially modern standards, (laughs) but even I think Alcott standards.
0: No, I mean, I, so thank you for that. You have brought up so many fascinating points. I think the first one I just want to touch on is the stuff that gets left out when Meg's story is adapted. Mm. This scene didn't make your version. No, You did get Kind of alone among adaptations, we got Meg's whole birth scene. And you got this gorgeous moment with Emily Watson as Marmy, Yeah. Where you're like, how am I going to do this? And she's like, I asked my own mother that once. And someday you're going to ask your daughters. And I'm like, it's really moving. I know.
1: Well, I think that's because we got that. Because the woman who adapted our version is the force behind Call the Midwife. Oh, Fabulous. (laughs) Fabulous. <laughs> like. Yes. So I think that she had a special interest also in childbirth and especially period childbirth. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was really excited that that was in there. And I also <laughs> think, I don't think it made it then, you've probably watched it more recently than I have. Yeah. I don't think we had the jelly scene. We shot the jelly scene. Yeah. And I think most of it got cut. It was a, at one point a lot longer. I don't know if it actually right. was even in the, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that Meg, I mean, Meg is the version of womanhood and femininity yeah. that I think even feminists over time have had the most difficult yeah. kind of squaring up to. And I think especially in reading Little Women as a <laughs> feminist text or a gender queer text or mm-hmm. any of those things, I think Meg is the most difficult character to kind of deal with. Yeah, Because in a lot of ways, she is doing the work that is most quote-unquote traditional right and I think that it's all she's also doing the work that I think maybe because of misogyny <laughs> has been l- least interesting sure. to yeah viewers yeah. and readers and and yet yeah, Alcott writes this whole chapter about sleep training
0: I, I know think, which is it's such a it's a correction to literary history it's like, so why haven't there been any sleep training scenes I know why does it what didn't that make it until men just aren't thinking about this at all they're not putting it in their 19th century novels I think I had the same reaction as you. My reaction reading this chapter, it was like, I don't know if you've ever seen that reaction gif of the guys on the side of a basketball game and they're leaning all the way back looking really scared and then (laughs) (laughs) they relax and start flapping. And it was, that was completely me. It was like, okay, she turned it totally. She brought it back. totally. She starts by saying, whether they like it or not, new brides are virtually put upon the shelf as soon as the wedding excitement is over. And most of them might exclaim, as did a very pretty woman the other day, which- is probably Meg. I'm as handsome as ever, but no one takes any notice of me because I'm married. So it's this sidelining of Meg that unfortunately, some adaptations just replicate. Once she's married, that's sort of the end of her. When actually, as you were saying, with the jelly scene with this chapter, we get some really interesting looks at negotiating married life in a way that is respectful of Meg's interests and boundaries and allows John Brooke to take an active part in the childcare, which is a lot more progressive than, well, she's married, she's done, she can get shunted away. totally.
1: And I think also, I mean, in this chapter too, the next line is not being a belle or a fashionable lady, Meg did Mm -hmm. not experience this affliction until her baby's right year old. Right. Not being a belle or even a fashionable lady. There's actually a lot of the class in this chapter. Yes.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: And Mm -hmm. social status and economic status. And I think Mm -hmm. that's also an interesting part of the home life that we get this glimpse of. Because there are interesting class dialogues and commentaries (laughs) in Little Land, which are maybe the less touched upon Uh and adaptations and stuff. but. You know, I think that that's an interesting amendment to the on the shelf as the title. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's Sally Moffat, for instance. She's, her experience of married life is very different because she doesn't have kids to look after. She has as many servants to look after the home and make her jelly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) And I wanted to say, I loved, before we get into anything else, I love the texture of the jelly scene. I was just watching it. You can see the sweat <laughs> on your brow as you're like, "Come on!" <laughs> and it comes out just liquidy.
1: It's it's such a good chapter. I kind of love that chapter just because I mean I've yeah. been there. I I think I've, I think one of the ways I relate to Meg the most mm-hmm. is perhaps in the ways that her frustration relative to what is actually happening is always not. Quite calibrated. Yeah. Her frustrations always just, exceed the actual stakes of the situation. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I can resonate with no.
0: deeply. <laughs> so, I've, yeah. yeah. That's where we see that she's Joe's sister. She can exactly. take things to 100. But another oh, thing, totally. another thing we've been tracking throughout the book and which shows up in this chapter is just Meg as a sexual being, someone with sexual agency. Toward the very end, mm-hmm. there's this, a part where she says, Look, I got advice from Marmy about how to kind of work on her marriage. I've been neglecting you. I want it kind of more even balance. You don't object, yeah. I hope. And then the answer is never mind what John said or what a very narrow escape yeah. the little bonnet had from utter ruin. So he flies at her and they start making out. Is the sh- implication there? I literally
1: <laughs> wrote S E X X X on my copy of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's it parallels a moment I think in the jelly scene. Well, it, it's in it's when the whole silk coat debacle happens. Yes.
1: In the jelly chapter, yeah. Yeah. When she's wearing the when she's wearing the coat and shows it to John Brooke, (laughs) and then you're like, and we don't know what happened, but then she's pregnant. (laughs) I know.
0: So these scenes happen, they're very sneaky. Kind of blink and you'll miss them. Well, not you didn't miss them, you had it in the margins. You're like, I know what's going on. (laughs) We were doing some Victorian flower language decoding around Meg's wedding, and it says that she refuses orange flowers, which we found were symbols of purity. So she's Mm -hmm. immediately like listen, <laughs> I know what I'm doing on my honeymoon.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. And it's also interesting too, because you see some of the sexual yeah. politics too, yes. when, when they're like, everyone was better for this division of labor, labor, mm-hmm. which is shortly after it implied sex. Scene. Yes. <laughs> and it's the division of, of labor within the home is something that then contributes to yeah. the positive sex life. Which is something that sex therapists would still tell you today. There yeah. that's the unspoken domestic struggles yeah. between a couple, whether it's a straight or non straight, queer, mm-hmm. whatever couple, mm-hmm. those are the things that actually interfere most deeply with sexual connection and yeah. marriage. And Alcott's talking about
0: that. And she never in the married. Of little women. She never married. She's just getting all of this from her older sister Anna Alcott's experience of marriage. so clearly they were talking about this. Oh, definitely. Speaking of sleep training and having a healthy sex life, that's, you know, that's also like major for like, couples with really young children. It's, I can start actually sleeping at night and doing other activities at night again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> so I, I think it's important to kind of push back against this notion that Meg's chapters are anti-feminist or not, because we're really getting a sophisticated negotiation of how to be a woman in a straight relationship, how to be a man in a straight relationship and share duties equitably you mentioned they both become kind of more gender queer in this chapter, and when when the babies are conceived in that jelly chapter, Meg is wearing John's coat. Right here, it says, yeah. When John is sleep training Demi, he has the patience of a woman or womanly patience. I think yeah. is the quote. They're sort of melts yeah. the strictures of gender a little bit, and it's very cool to see that.
1: Totally, and yep. it's also it, it is also interesting to you that Meg didn't expect that outcome, yeah. right? Yeah, For when she stumbles into the room and sees that. Yeah, that John is being gentle and soft in this way. That she's surprised by. She's
0: like, oh, yeah. It's just very sweet. I, I I think Marmee comes through. She has really good advice, not just about keeping your husband happy. That's not really the point of her advice. But she says, at one point, I highlighted this was keep cheerful as well as busy. For you are the sunshine maker of the family, and if you get dismal, there is no fair weather. Which is a very cutesy way of being like protect your mental health. Post heart and depression is real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: a really good way of reading that. I actually mm-hmm. underlined that because I was like, emotional labor. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that was I think Marmy gets good advice and bad advice yeah. in this in the same breath. Yeah. I like yeah. that reading of it a lot more than mine, which was <laughs> very intense. Yeah. And I was sure, like she's sure. asking yeah. because I think that also Meg's journey throughout the entire book mm-hmm. from Vanity Fair through the jelly yeah. through this is Meg finds herself embarrassed and troubled okay. whatever when she's showing the mechanisms by which femininity slash womanhood is created, yeah. whether yeah. that's getting dressed up and being proud of her being dressed up or trying to make the jelly and not being able to uh-huh. or not being able to put the babies to bed. That's what her conflict is essentially hiding the yeah. layers yeah. of labor that go into the construction of a home, the construction of femininity and womanhood. Yeah. And I yeah. think that is... Essentially, kind of dated. Yeah, no kidding. Mentally draining. Yeah, activity. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and I think that's why Meg, I think, is sometimes challenging to access mm-hmm. because that is kind of her main character arc is becoming Marmee, and Marmee is like, I'm angry every day of my life, and yet I hope that in forty years I will be able to not be angry, but right now yep. all I can do is hide my anger. Yeah, and so there's all these subterranean layers yes. of the actual full expression of who these people are as human being right, kind of right. like
0: stifled by the mother or oh, wife or yeah. just woman layer of it. Yeah, which I think we're seeing here even at home with her husband initially Meg feels a desire to just bury that. Yeah. This is going to bring up a question I wanted to ask toward the end but I might as well say it now. Shh. I loved your adaptation, it really kind of took us behind the curtain with Meg, both the birth scene alone. That's not even in the book. (laughs) Yeah. It's suddenly she's pregnant, then the babies are here and we just, Meg is not even in the room when babies are introduced to Lori, which is very strange. I know. It's so weird. We have that whole scene with you. We also, at Vanity Fair, we see afterward your feet hurt and you're kicking out your shoes and shoveling down ice cream that Lori brought you. There's a scene... you're going to the bathroom, yeah. I think, and you have about 5,000 petticoats that you're managing. Is that... I think
1: <laughs> I... If I'm not misremembering, I think I was the one who would ask would you it? <laughs> And also, when we were shooting Little Women, yeah. we were always trying to find places to pee outside because, let <laughs> me tell you, going into the little porta-potties with all of those layers oh, no. of skirts on no. is so terrible. Yeah. It's impossible. So we were always trying to find a spot in the woods to, like, go... <laughs> There's a lot of Fun stuff that we learned because we had <laughs> a woman from Orchard House with us, Jan yeah, yeah.
0: Love her when we were yeah.
1: shooting. She just so daunting <laughs> And she'll tell us about how the girls, and especially Joe, would run yep. miles every day in their corsets and their petticoats. And mm-hmm. and we all grew all of our body hair out because Nats, our director, <laughs> yes. really liked when the close-ups being able to see leg hair and mm-hmm. armpit hair. And so we all really went for the grit. We were like, we're going to be eleven <laughs> <laughs> at the same time period. No, I love it. But wait. Your question was about the side of Meg that we yeah. don't see, which in the book would also include an art bit here. But yeah, I think I was really excited when I read all of the scripts and I saw that there were those moments included. And then also when I was kind of thinking about how I wanted to play the scenes that were kind of less Meg centric, but yeah. still had a lot of Meg in them. And I think that you kind of said it earlier, there is a lot of Joe in Meg. It's just in a different direction because also written by the same person there necessarily is. And it was really important to me as an actor to give Meg the most humanity possible. Because I think that a lot of time the versions that you see on screen are kind of, I feel like they are the kindest, most benign version of the character And I was more interested in, especially in the book, the times that she loses her temper, the ways in which she struggles with the things that she wants and also not having control over her sisters and the power dynamics, Mm -hmm. which I think you actually do get a large peek at in the book that aren't always seen in the adaptations that we have. And so I kind of felt there was a lot of room to play with a, a side uh, of Meg no. that we haven't seen on screen before. And no. so that
0: was thing I was really excited about. Yeah. I think, yeah, just because yours is a, it's a miniseries, right? So there, it's three hours. Yeah. You have just more breathing room than you would in a regular exactly. film adaptation. Should we get totally. to see more of those private moments. I think it's really special because I think there's the public facing, very emotional labor side of Meg and there's, When she's alone with her family. I also, I was wondering, we had a listener ask if you did any research on Anna Elcott when you were preparing for your role as Meg. I did.
1: I think that, I think Lou, Louisa, Mm -hmm. I think that she, there's so much writing that she did. There's also a lot of writing that Anna did. Mm -hmm. And there's, all of those things are still available and accessible. And Mm -hmm. Jan- did a great job of giving us a lot of that material to kind of look through when we were doing our adaptation, which was really fun, especially for a nerdy person like myself. (laughs) I really enjoyed getting to have access to that primary source material. And it just kind of... Because I think Anna was really different than that, is the interesting side of that. Anna was much more of an introvert, Mm -hmm. a lot kind of more serious studious Then meg is kind of superficially on the page read as mm-hmm. and meg and anna and lou had a really intimate very yes, connected relationship yeah, yeah. and that was also kind of an interesting thing just to kind of have in the back of your head and that's the beauty of it needs to do an adaptation yeah yeah and the beauty of little women everyone brings all of their own stuff to this book completely and yeah it's yeah. read in so many different ways across the globe
0: the amount of translations little women has (laughs)
1: is insane and i think it's because there's so many different ways you can read all of these characters and in doing an adaptation you kind of just get to pick what's most interesting to you and what you kind of are most interested in exploring and i was really interested in that relationship with joe and also kind of really interested in kind of exploring the stuff that's either written in between the sentences or kind of in what we know, their life would have been like yeah. actually at the Alcotts.
0: Yeah, I love that you got to see the primary source stuff because that is so cool. I've, yeah, I've been in the archives. It's myself. really cool. My favorite one—it it was a script I think that was co-written by Anna and Lou. And Anna's handwriting looks like a computer font. It's pristine. It's perfect. And then Lou comes in <laughs> and chicken scratch. So. But yeah. it's the fact that Anna did writing. Anna was very curious about theater and the stage, they were both kind of Lou and Anna wanted to be actresses. So very similar to you, it sounds. Yeah.
1: It's also interesting, that thing about acting, that that's the background and also part of the big background for Meg and also much of her just work as a character or as a person in the world was creating this presentation of womanhood.
0: It's this comfort with putting on femininity and then how that Mm -hmm. differs in the back. And it's occurring to me, you mentioned Anna and Lou had an extremely close relationship. After Anna's husband died, Lou actually adopted. Well, much later, but wrote a, in a journal saying, "I must be a father to these children." So maybe some of this sleep training, house management stuff is from Lou looking after Anna's oh, children I love and that. seeing how that works. I yeah. think I don't know how old the kids were when the husband passed, but I think they were yeah relatively young still. So yeah, it's oh, not I love that speculation. The other thing I wanted to mention because we were talking a lot about how. Meg does get angry and some of these crowd yeah. scenes are really hard for her. My friend Eliana Dobris is an audiologist and I chatted with her about Meg a while ago just because I was curious. We know from we know that Anna had a hearing impairment. She used what's called an ear trumpet, yeah. a preliminary hearing aid. Yeah. And Eliana brought up that these loud, noisy group settings would have been really hard for her because she would have to work extra hard to hear people and continue yeah. to talk to people and stay pleasant. And I think that adds so much extra context to these situations where Meg comes out of a social event. She's been grinning the whole time and she comes out super flustered. Yeah. Yeah. She's just even here with her sensitivity to Demi's cries. It literally is, it's more acute for her. She has to just work harder to hear. And that's kind of yeah. in the background of it all. It, yeah.
1: Totally. I know. I also, I love the when they're talking about the, what, what is it they call it? Maternal delinquencies or something like that, I think. <laughs> yeah is how they refer to Meg not being able to have a firm hand with her children. And (laughs) it's such a massive just misunderstanding of the fact that, yeah, that's because she's been at home with them nonstop all day. So no shit. She's just trying to do anything to get them to go to bed. So good for you, John Brooke. Glad you had your maternal side, but also you able to have a firm hand as if you (laughs) Gone over at the house brought the street for six months.
0: I'm just gonna go over to my neighbor's house and not hang out with my wife or my kids. Right?
1: Exactly, exactly. It's we need crazy. to call
0: John Brooke out. He needs to be brought to the red table. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, I, I know John. John Brooke needs. He he could have a lot of things called out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he rises to the occasion. I think in the end, but it's interesting that I think Marmee gives good advice. I like what she says here about don't shut yourself up in a bandbox because you're a woman, but understand what is going on. Educate yourself mm-hmm. to take your part in the world's work for it all affects you and yours. I'm like, fuck yeah, go Marmee. But yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and Meg says, I'm afraid he'll think I'm stupid if I ask questions about politics and things. And Marmee's like, I don't believe he would. And truthfully, he doesn't. But yeah, it's notable that John Brooke isn't going over to his parents and being like, how do I take, I'm neglecting my wife. How do I stop doing this? Right. <laughs> totally. The onus falls yeah. on night to manage the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is something that we see time and time again. Yeah. Throughout her entire trajectory, but especially no. here. And I think that, yeah, I love that last line that Marmy mm-hmm. has about like, pay attention to the world around yeah. you and the news of the world. And I think that she gets to such a great place, mm-hmm. even though Marmy's mm-hmm. advice does not start in a great place. Not quite. <laughs> because she starts by saying, Basically, she goes, don't you neglect him? I think the fault is yours, Meg. Uh, and it's like, really, Marlon? Excuse but me. stolen out. out that, yeah, yeah, it's your fault that your husband cheated. Basically, I, the, the subtext I, of that, I, right? That's, if we want to read it in a different way, <laughs> that's blaming the woman for the cheating husband. The, the
0: cheating, yeah. Is, I mean, do you consider going over to the Scotts house and playing chess and listening to the piano cheating? I mean... What does
1: I think it's, it's like, emotionally? I yeah. think it's a I think it's emotional infidelity, yeah. maybe. Uh-huh. I think for the well, time it's... period. And but then Marmy yeah, yeah. literally says in that next part, she basically says you need to pay attention to your husband so he doesn't cheat on you. She yeah, thought, like, there's literally a line in which that is the subtext of it. I oh wish my you could god! Find yeah. it right now, this moment. Let me look. I underlined it. I know because I was like, oh, oh, okay, yes, Meg. One had better. A very natural and forgivable mistake bag, but one had better be remedied before you take to different ways. Our children should draw you nearer than ever, not separate you. And oh, actually, that wasn't the right line. Oh. But there was another line basically where she's like, he needs to care about the children so he doesn't cheat on oh. you.
0: Make it so pleasant he won't want to go away. That definitely. Yep. But there's
1: one line that <laughs> okay. is very much that I was like, oh, hmm. I, I underlined too many things What I'm realizing. But, after, but what's yeah. funny about this chapter too is half of my underlining it's from 2017 or 2016 whenever you we were shooting right, this, right, and half that's yeah. from a week ago. And <laughs> i was rereading this chapter, so
0: it's very hard. Yeah, no, to that's okay. It's talking about <laughs> if you find it, let me know. But I think that reading is definitely there. I think there's sort of even just I where Marmee loses me, and she's like, "You have to make yourself look pretty, right? You have to put that uh-huh. blue bow in your hair." <laughs> yes, and. What I like about Marmee's advice, though, what I think we're also seeing is she's essentially saying you have to emphasize to John that he has a place in raising the children as well. You have to bring him into that. It's his domain as well. We know that Bronson Alcott was incredibly involved with the childcare of the girls, right? He, with both Anna and Lou, he had books where he jotted down everything they did. He was like... Anna breathed today. It was very interested in educational techniques, was very active in bringing up the kids, often to the point of not being able to kind of make a living outside the home or hold down a job, which is very unusual for men of that time. So I think some of this is Alcott looking at her own parents' marriage, which was not always happy, but she could certainly vouch for a very present father figure yeah which we're seeing and here. that
1: also stemmed from kind of his connections to transcendentalism yes, all of that yeah. was part of the experiments that he mm-hmm. was conducting
0: <laughs> the oddest children yes he was like i'm going to <laughs> but find-, I did find it yes okay tell me
1: it said don't let john be a stranger to the babies for they will do more to keep them safe and happy in this world of trial and temptation than Ooh-oh. anything else <laughs> <laughs> and through them you'll learn to know and love one another as yeah. you should Make him want to be a parent so that yep. he factors
0: that into his yeah. desire to be bound to the home. We don't get a ton of outright discussion of adultery in this book, but obviously it was going on. And obviously, yeah. as you're saying, I think there is maybe we're getting, if anything, too shallow a picture of Meg is so wrapped up in her baby, she barely even notices John is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter to her at all that he's across the street at the Scots with their chessboard. I think it's we get to a point where kind of Meg realizes that she's been lonely. And isn't sure how she can kind of get that early wedded bliss back. It's sad that she has to be the one to take up the burden of making that happen and that there's no parallel discussion with John going on. We don't get a whole lot about John's family here, do we? What's his situation?
1: Um, I think that, no, I mean, I think that we assume that he doesn't really have any. Okay, because they're never, I don't think they, they're ever at the wedding. Right, right. He's also, it seems like he's far away from home
0: <laughs> and he worked for the Lawrences. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so too. We, we don't hear about his parents or the way that he was brought up. He's more entwined with the Lawrences. And I, I think he's working for Mr. Lawrence at this point as well. And it's just interesting. I know, that, I, was yeah. trying
1: to, I was trying to remember, yeah. I couldn't remember what he was doing for work. Business. Or if they ever talked about it. His job
0: during business. He's off doing business. He's off <laughs> we don't know what he's doing all day he's just (laughs) making spreadsheets he doesn't know (laughs) what
1: Meg's doing all day
0: yeah and so I like that finally they come together I like that Marmy suggests that Meg take an interest in his interest and I actually like that Meg really tries to get into politics and is like I'm sorry this is just so boring
1: (laughs) I know I actually I underlined this one where it says Meg tried to look deeply interested to ask intelligent questions (laughs) and keep her thoughts from wandering from the state of the nation to the state of her bonnet. Uh, And I like, can't you just picture Carrie Bradshaw being like, I tried to keep my mind on the state of the nation (laughs) to the state of my bonnet. So
0: good. Speaking of works heavily influenced by little women, (laughs) Sex and the City, there's four of them, they're completely different. I (laughs)
1: I guess that's true. Wow, yeah, like I mean, you thought about that.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I think Meg would be like we,
1: we need to go through and identify yes. who all are the
0: people. So I feel like Meg is the Charlotte of the group. Does that track?
1: Yes. Okay. Meg is Charlotte. Amy is probably Mantha. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. I right? guess Beth is Miranda.
0: But also or maybe Joe with Miranda? I think Joe is Mar- Yeah, well, it, it sort of falls apart there. I <laughs> I think we have two Joes and yeah, no Beth. Yeah, I know.
1: It's a- <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Double Joe. Maybe they're yes. both Joe and
0: Beth. It's hard to say. I- <laughs> no, Beth that's doesn't. That's so funny. And they pay- The friend group picked up another Joe. And that's, you know what? Exactly. It exactly. Happens. Double Joes. <laughs> so, <laughs> my goodness. Hey. I wanted to we've talked a lot about breeding Meg in a feminist way, right? And, and thinking of these family scenes and child rearing scenes as not anti-feminist, but feminist, right? And feminism as it mm-hmm. relates to the family. Have you read, I brought it along today, have you read Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney? Yeah, okay. I have. So I wanted to bring it today. I don't normally bring outside reading, but this is a passage that I think, I gonna we're both sharing notes on books, but I underlined Meg under this one. Oh my gosh, I love it. So, oh, are you going to read it? I'm I am going to read it. it. It's from the last chapter of the book. So one of the characters has just found out that she's pregnant and she's essentially deciding whether or not she's going to have the kid. And she says, Mm -hmm. she's kind of raising these things of global warming, should people have children? And she says, neither you nor I have any confidence that human civilization as we know it is going to persist beyond our lifetimes. But then again, no matter what I do, hundreds of thousands of babies will be born on the same day as this hypothetical baby of mine. Their futures are surely just Mm -hmm. as important as the future of my hypothetical baby, who is distinguished only by its relationship to me and also to the man I love. I suppose I mean that children Mm -hmm. are coming anyway, and in the grand scheme of things, it won't matter much whether any of them are mine or his. We have to try either way Mm -hmm. to build a world they can live in. And I feel in a strange sense that I want to be on the children's side and on the side of their mothers to be with them, not just an observer, admiring them from a distance, speculating about their best interests, but one of them. I'm not saying, by the way, that I think that's important for everyone. No matter what we think or fear about the future of civilization, women all over the world will go on having babies, and I belong with them, and any child I might have belongs with their children. It's
1: just Oh, love that. I forgot about that. I I totally forgot (laughs) about that passage. But I absolutely love it. And I think also I need to bring in another work of great writing, Rachel Cusk. Yes. (laughs) A Life's Work. (laughs) My best friend just had a baby who's now five months old, and so I've been deep in my baby dump (laughs) too, with with her baby. Yeah. she was reading that while she was pregnant. She was mm-hmm. like, can you read it with me? Because I want you to, like, be able, I want to be able to talk to you about this kind of yes. stuff. And I mean, talk about like, an amazing sort of look at motherhood for both its mm-hmm. incredible difficulties and triumph through yeah. the lens of someone who's had a baby and is going through the journey of understanding what it means to both desperately want to have selfhood outside of that baby and feeling yeah. Yeah. also incredibly Incredibly guilty for not being with the baby and only oh. wanting to be with the baby. Right, right. And it's such a great it's actually such a great kind of companion piece of modern writing to sort of think about the ways in which Meg obviously wants to be with the babies all yes. the time. Like, also the babies are only like six months yeah, old. There's very
0: little. Well well that's yeah, like talking. for some reason, I don't understand why dummy's <laughs> <Demi's>
1: talking. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Also, at the beginning of the chapter, <laughs> she's like six months have passed the birth of the baby. <laughs> the timeline doesn't it's, line up for a developmental
0: no. baby dump. Or Demi is a prodigy. That's also exactly. a possibility. Demi's a prodigy. Go on.
1: We also need to talk about how Daisy
0: is called Daisy, and that was yes. Meg's name at Vanity Fair. It was, yes, because Marguerite is the French woman of Margaret, and that also means Daisy in French, so it all... I know, but it's- don't we feel like she had a really bad time being called <laughs> Daisy at Vanity Fair? <laughs>
1: Didn't that seem and, not a highlight of her life? And now looking wow. back on it, she's like, you know what? I'm going to
0: be my daughter, Daisy. Maybe <laughs> in the fullness of time, she's like, you know what? The way everyone treated me around that when all I wanted to do was have a nice time was really fucked up. Uh, so I'm reclaiming. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. I'm reclaiming. I'm reclaiming. She's reclaiming. But yeah, I like, thought that
1: was so funny.
0: It's funny. So yes, Demi is a child prodigy. He's walking and talking at six months. Exactly. That that might be Lou Alcott's unfamiliarity with that period of raising children. (laughs) But yeah, I think essentially this is, it's not that marrying and having children, of course that belongs in feminist literature. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. And what we see with Meg, I think, if we look at the context of this, when this was written, right, it was, and actually your adaptation does this really well, it was a time when Families were separated. Mother's sons were out dying en masse in this yeah. unbelievably bloody war. There's a kind of an extended sequence where Meg and John marry and then he goes off to war and you're waiting for him to return. Yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, of course, everything feels apocalyptic in a very immediate sense. Probably people were sitting around having the same discussions about is it ethical to bring a child into this world or not, right? At that time. Yeah. With things so unstable. And, and that's to say nothing of knowing how young people die, right? It's, I think it would yeah. be, you have to factor that environment of grief into it. And so in that context, I think it's, we can really celebrate Meg's desire to just be part of the stream of mothers and children, right? It's,
1: Yeah. it matters. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. It's such a, it's that's such a great, I'm so glad you thought of that passage from that yeah. book because it is such a perfect companion <laughs> to kind of thinking about <laughs> that. And I love how she said, I love what she said about wanting to not be outside of it but to be in inside of it in the stream yeah. and i think she also even includes whether or not that means how this child to just uh-huh. be involved in the world yeah. of children and yeah. the rearing of them which joe was and lou yeah which was lou very well. much was yeah even the, yeah yeah joe goes on to create the school for boys yeah they all are very much in the stream of children yeah Which is really kind of beautiful, isn't it?
0: In fact, there's a letter that I love, which is a very angry letter to the editors from Lou, where she's responding to a charge that she's a suffragist and she has no children. What are we to make of that? She's neglecting her duties. And she's like, listen, my entire life has been in the service of children. I've been a governess. I write books for children. Yeah. I am a father to my sister's children, right? How dare you? She was really getting into it. It's, Oh my gosh, totally. Even though Alcott probably didn't identify as straight, had no desire to get married. Yeah. It was important to her to be part of raising children. And when that meant yeah. adopting Anna's children, it meant when May's, the real life Amy's, passed away, her newborn daughter came to America and Lou raised her, right? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. she loved kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was- I know. And yeah. it's so, I love too, the ways in which, I mean, one of the things I really love about little women in general is the ways in which gender just don't, Function in the ways that yes. we would think they would yeah. in Little Women, and mm-hmm. it's something that is so clear throughout the entire book, and has been clear, yeah. I think, in subsequent adaptations. I don't feel like it's very present in the Wine Under Writer version. But even there's even a passage in some chapter where Meg is described as being manly, and all of these <laughs> Little Women have these moments of this sort of queering of their gender yes, identities yeah. and the roles that they're taking on in the world. And when thinking about the ways in which Jo is all of these things to the children in her life that are just genderless and are more kind of an exploration of the ways in which we serve many different functions as teachers for the children completely around us. That's, I think, really cool. And I think it's very present and queer partnerships with their children, yeah. obviously, because I think those parents serve a large variety of gendered, but gender free. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's also interesting that we see that in Little Women in a way yeah. that, you know, even outside of Joe, Jo, right. who obviously like, is the most sort of gender queer character in this book, yeah. even Meg, and I wish I wrote it down. I, I was Looking through my notes from 2016 right. when we were shooting those <laughs> or 2017. Yeah. And I found this quote where Meg is described as manly or yeah. something. And I'm no? like, I love this.
0: It's been known to happen. I Everybody
1: mean, gets to have a go.
0: Everyone gets to have I mean, it's so funny when even Joe's play that she writes, she's like, I'm a girl with three sisters, and the play has one female part and we're all in <laughs> other like, Yeah. So it's, everyone kind I of know. gets to play. Not everyone. Joe kind of explicitly expressed a desire to be a man. Yeah. And the others may express feelings about the, the limitations of being a woman but with them it's more about egalitarianism than strictly wanting to be a man yeah i think we really see that here when it's a lot of marmy's advice is about invite john into motherhood see how he likes it see yeah. how he likes getting to yeah fall asleep holding the kids which totally. is really lovely
1: and it, I know it's about sharing the experience yeah. and also allowing the other to critique in the experience of yeah. something that was so strictly divided along yes. gender lines at that point in time yeah. in particular, but even today, you know,
0: even yeah, boy, even today. And
1: divisions of household labor <laughs> and straight couples. I think that's yeah. a recurring theme. <laughs> I don't know
0: how I like to think we've come, but that's the thing probably you could write a novel in 2023 where someone has twins and the dad goes right back to work, maybe out of economic necessity and they neglect each other and the mom gets really wrapped up in the kids and they have to have this come to Jesus moment. Like you're going to take that. This could happen today. Right. In a very yeah. real sense. You wouldn't have to it change. It totally much. could. I think.
1: Like, and how- also it's all structural because think about how <laughs> yeah. few places have paternal leave. Right. You know, it's, it's all still baked into the literal <laughs> structure of our economic society. Oh my as God. Well yeah. Social. And you
0: know? another part of this, which we haven't talked about is the Alcox may not be, sorry, the Marches may not be wealthy, but Marmy can say, we'll send our servant over. Hannah will help you. You can have two servants instead of one, which I bet. Thinking yeah. about the economic conditions of being able to employ a servant, already that's not a guarantee for everyone, right? Yeah. And then we hear about those servants being Irish, and there's another level of class racial stuff under that. <laughs> yeah. It's, which, again, you could transport very easily onto kind of modern class racial dynamics, it's very interesting it's very multi-layered it's very modern I we sort of I don't want to keep you here past the hour so I do want to so on Meg I want to ask you a couple questions from listeners if that's okay about your time as Meg yeah so are there any Meg scenes that wound up just not making your script but you wish you could have done
1: mm-hmm. there was actually a lot more to the birth scene oh than was actually like made the cut into mm-hmm. the final it was a lot more intense Oh yeah, <laughs> I was surprised, and a lot longer. And I think that was, I think that you, you got what you needed, but I think that yeah. there's also part of me you know, like, I wish that they would have been able to keep a longer cut of that scene because yeah. I thought it was a really beautiful scene with Marmy and and kind of a real actual picture of what right. it meant yeah, to yeah. enter motherhood and kind of a metaphorical mm-hmm. kind of portrait of that yeah. entry and its difficulties. And I think also, I think that it would have been. I wish, I I feel like our version on the page two did kind of struggle with how to show Meg's married life. Cast the jelly scene, which I think is a very common struggle yeah. with adaptations, and it's a huge book as we said, it it's is. like four hundred <laughs> something it's pages. Horrible. So there's yeah. a lot to fit in, and there's always a lot that doesn't make it. But Hopefully. it often does feel an adaptation. Mike gets married; you might see one little glimpse of what's happening after, and then she's kind of gone. Yep, which <laughs> she's literally put on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, that's- shelved until a later date. And so, <laughs> and I think that was one thing that even when I was reading the scripts, I remember just kind of wishing that there had been a little yeah. bit more. Of of just her with the children or her as a person who came back over to the March house as she was frequently visiting and stuff. She is, But yeah. I think there is often sort of a, a disappearance yeah. that happens. And I
0: think that was something that I felt when I was playing the character that I wish that there had been yeah. more of. I completely agree. Someday we will get the completely Meg-centric version. And it's all about her. I, we I know, to- right?
1: As an actor, that's literally what we always yes. want. We're like, no. my character... Where, where, <laughs> <"What's> my character? <laughs> It's
0: the best and worst part of I having know. a
1: conversation with an actor. We're and like,
0: well... Wow. <laughs> and I can imagine you're like, obviously, you must have been like busting your ass with like a childbirth actor. And hello. That's- <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> ow, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so was there, with that in mind, was there a really, what was the most special day on set? Not even a scene necessarily, oh, but just that one. That is
1: impossible to say. Okay. Because honestly, I think okay. any, if you talk to any of us in that <laughs> show... Yeah, I think we would all say that it was the most special time in our professional lives. Wow. Okay. Because we all, like, we shot in Ireland and yeah. all of us, Jonah, Maya, yeah. Anna, Catherine, we all just became enmeshed. Oh, we literally yeah, were all yeah. living in this little hotel, South of Dublin yeah. together for three months almost.
0: Wow. Okay. We had yeah. dinner
1: every night. We had breakfast every morning. Mm -hmm. We were fully, we hung out in each other's rooms whenever we weren't shooting and we just, and we also were all actors kind of at a critical moment in our careers where I think we all were just starting to get to do what we actually wanted to be doing. Right, right. And I think that there was this kind of sense of real possibility and potential. And oh, I think wow. it was just a really special moment for all of us individually, and it made magic when we came together and we all just fell in love. Yeah. And so literally every day was incredible. <laughs> okay. I can. Re- there were just so many. When we had the snow, because obviously right, it was yeah. not snowing in summer in <laughs> Ireland, they make it with I don't even know what it is, but the ground was covered in snow and it looks like real snow. And we were Wait. just throwing at each other, were sweating and everyone being sunburned. And we're like <laughs> having like, a snowball fight outside, not even scripted. Oh. Um, I really loved all of the scenes at the party at Vanity Fair. Those were really fun because it was, you know, I think it was, it's also like a Meg loves being a performer and it also this really fun time, especially without having those scenes from the book Mm -hmm. in the That is actually I forgot to say that. Yeah. I really wish that we had had, and it also makes Lori look better in that moment (laughs) (laughs) that he does on the page of the book. Mm -hmm. But that was, I loved that because I didn't have a ton of scenes with Jonah. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, there's so many good ones. But basically, all of the scenes of us being with all of the sisters were just, we had the freaking time of our lives. And one really, and also Emily Watson, who played Marmee, is yeah, incredible, and it. also was really a mother to all of us while shooting, because Thanks. she's had an absolutely incredible career. And yeah, like I said, yeah. we were all kind of very much at the beginning of getting to do interesting stuff. And She was so incredible for really just showing us more than even telling us what it means to be like an actor on set and what it means to take the space that you need to get ready, what it means to ask for what you need in order to do your job. And also Angela Lansbury, too. I was going to say. I remember having. (laughs) I know. I remember having lunches with Angela when she was with us. Her work ethic. Up until the last thing that she did, which I don't know what her last project was before she passed, but her work ethic was just incredible. And she always would talk to us about the ways in which she as a young person prioritized what she was doing. And it was just, it was a really special and incredible project to be a part of. Yeah.
0: That's amazing people. <laughs> I know. I And that's so the Jonah you mentioned, that's Jonah Howard King. She's in the, the new mean- little mermaid, which is very cool. So excited. Yes. I want to see I want to circle back to Angela Lansbury because I saw your Instagram post that you made when she passed just saying it was the honor of a lifetime to be able to learn from you. And I thought that was just beautifully poignant. Like you got to fuck it act with her you had you preserved the entire argument scene when she comes in and she's like if you marry this schlug i won't give you any money you get to deliver the line you can leave your money to anyone you like it's always <laughs> that like i know yeah
1: I mean, she's so generous. She's yeah. so, she was so generous and so kind. And at that point, because she was 91, I think, when we yeah. shot that. Yeah. So obviously, she was not really memorized and she right, had cue right. cards. But even reading off cue cards that were variously around oh, yeah. my head, she's just incredible. It was still, yeah. it was just a testament to the fact that when you know what you're doing and who you are, to see, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're reading or if you're memorized. Oh, And also, she was, I mean, what a person to say those lines to. Yeah.
0: I, I saw Catherine Newton just commented on your post and was like, We were so lucky. And I feel like I it was I it know, must have been just- we
1: really were because she took that she would she let she wanted to have lunch with us, you know? Yeah, like, not you don't always eat lunch yeah, with people yeah. when you're on sex. Oftentimes uh-huh. You go and eat in your trailer for Uh various reasons. Sometimes you're just tired. But she would always eat with us at lunch, which was just so special. She wanted to talk to us about her life, which, you know, and she had so much to share. It was Mm -hmm. just incredible.
0: Yeah. It must have just been wonderful. That kind of
1: generosity is not to be expected. No. I would imagine. To encounter it is really so special.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that she really made herself accessible to you. Because as you were saying, it was a time when you all started to feel, oh, and now I'm doing what I really want to be doing. And the fact that she was yeah. present for that to guide you into the next step. And you and Maya and Jonah, Catherine, we're all seeing you in all these amazing projects now. It, it sounds like, I don't yeah. know, like summer camp or something, but <laughs> that's wonderful dynamic. We, yeah, I mean,
1: It was literally summer in Ireland and we were oh. all just... <laughs> gallivanting around in yes. corsets and wearing some petticoats. There are just so many videos of us at lunch because we would take off our dresses because right. we weren't allowed to eat with our dresses on. Of course, yeah. In it's- our
0: corsets and our petticoats, <laughs> dancing. It was wow, So funny. fun. We had so much fun. Okay. Uh, so one last question. Sorry, I don't want to keep you here too much longer. What do you yeah, think? It's fine. This was a listener question. What do you think Meg would be doing in 2023?
1: But would she be up to? <laughs> I mean, I think that what's interesting about Meg is I think that what she was doing in the time that she lived was kind of what she wanted to be doing then and what she probably would that, be doing kind yeah. of now. <laughs> I think that she would be a person who wants to have a very full home life, mm-hmm. wants to live in your family, wants to raise a family. I wonder if maybe given the fact that now you can also do other things, whether she would have wanted to be an after at a regional yeah, theater yeah. or yeah. something like that and keep following those hobbies in a more active way into Mm -hmm. her married life. But I think that what's interesting is we kind of see the historical is also in the present through Meg, where she is a person who wants to be a homemaker, who wants to have a very active family life. And I think that the ways in which she would have done that would be different now, just because I hope that we have moved forward in some ways, but- I mean, as we saw in this chapter, there's some stuff that they talk about in this chapter that is very modern. And I think that's kind of what is amazing about her as a character. Yeah.
0: No, I completely agree. I think probably very little. I would like to see Meg doing community theater, maybe Meg doing bonnets on Etsy. I don't know. She's very into that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But yeah. I I, know.
1: And also, like, she would have a great garden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She'd be gardening. Maybe she'd be part of her horticultural society. Yes.
0: Conservation, I could the see gardening that being, club. Yeah, very into you that. Know? I think
1: that she would definitely find, I think there would just be more room for hobbies.
0: Yeah. It, either making
1: those professional or not, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be so much of a choice of yeah. can one have a, a family
0: uh, yeah. and be a wife. Or can one also do yeah. these other things? There'd yeah. probably be more room for both. I like that. I think modern Meg would have more freedom and really still be herself. Probably still have arguments about how to sleep train. I think some things truly exactly. never change. 100%. Yeah. They know. Well- Willa, thank you so much for being here today. I mean, the insight that you've brought to this character, I would love to see more of your notes. If you don't mind sending some pictures our way, that would be very exciting. Oh, of course. <laughs> Where can people find you online? How can they support your work? What projects do you have in the pipeline? What's going on? I'm really only on Instagram. Okay. On
1: Instagram, it's really only my dog. Okay. So sorry, <laughs> but that's what you're going to get if you follow me on Instagram and it's yep. just Willa F. F okay and upcoming I actually have a lot of really fun stuff coming up i have a mike flanagan series on netflix called fall of the house of usher very cool also literary it's inspired by the collected works of edgar Allan poe oh that's so cool really yeah really well done it's very exciting especially if you're a nerd of poe and his work you're gonna find Mm -hmm. so many easter eggs you're gonna lose your money love it love it so that's very exciting I also did another book adaptation actually called Desperation Road, which okay. is written by Michael Ferris Smith. And it is about all of these interconnecting stories in the deep South. And I think people kind of have referred to him as the, as John Grishow okay, of Mississippi. Love and that. Very intrigued. <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> yes. I know. It's yeah, actually I have the book, over there. I'm wondering if that actually is the quote. Okay, Let me just grab. Let me grab my. <laughs> no worries. And then I also. No, I don't know. It doesn't say i here. Mm-hmm. And, and then I also have a movie called Strange Darling, which Ooh. I did with Miramax, which is not a literary adaptation, but it's kind of a cat and mouse thriller, two-hander wild ride that also should be coming out in the fall. So the fall Amazing. will be a very busy time. I okay. Think,
0: actually. And. Lots of fun stuff. Fabulous. I mean, The Fall of the House of Author is on Netflix, so you can go and watch it right now. Pause and the episode and just go do that. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I'm your host, Peyton Thomas. You can find me online at peytonthomas.ca. You can buy my book, both sides now, wherever you buy books. You can also now find us on Instagram. We are at Joe's Boys Pod. willie do you want to take a picture real quick for Instagram? Oh my gosh, yeah. Let's do it. We're making sure I'm like framed in
1: my face. Okay, thing. yes.
0: You look fabulous. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here, Willa, and we will see you next week.